0: And discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Today is December 14th, 2022. And the first story we have, Democrats roasted Nancy Mace calls out a woke leftist for inciting violence on Twitter while claiming in front of Congress that dangerous rhetoric is increasing violence in this country. It was a masterful smackdown that many say has left these activists humiliated. In our next segment, a drag queen invited to the White House once performed for a two-year-old boy and made suggestive comments about kids. So my question with this one is, what does success look like to you? Are things getting better or are they getting worse? And the last segment's not really a segment. I don't have a much bigger news story because I got bad news that the cat of the cast castle, Mr. Bokus, is dying and potentially faster than we realize. So if you're interested, you can listen to what is not a news podcast or a breaking story, but about a half an hour of me talking about my cat, why he's awesome, and how much I really do appreciate your support... In these hard times, I know he's not a person, he's a cat, but we still love him. Now, let's get into that first story. There's a group of online activists that lie, accuse people of things they didn't actually do, and advocate for and push for outright violence. And it's been this way for some time, as most of you know, especially if you watched the Joe Rogan experience three years ago, where I pointed out to the heads of Twitter that the far left was actively inciting, advocating for and organizing violence. And they did nothing to stop it for the longest time. They just got away with it. Well, the times they are a changing with Elon Musk's takeover. uh Oh, now they're starting to get banned. Child exploitation starting to get banned. You can see the pure evil that resides in this faction of cultists. Now, I don't think every single person on the left is evil. There's a handful of people that I consider to be economically and politically left. But overwhelmingly, when people refer to the left, they're referring to this big cult, not somebody who just thinks we should have universal health care. Here's what they do. They actively target people. They call for violence against them, like they did with the Covington kids. They spread lies. They call advertisers and banks and try and interfere with your contracts. Tortious interference but now they're being called out. In this amazing viral clip, Democrats quote online safety expert humiliated in Congress with her own tweets threatening judges. Activist instructor with Harvard Law Alejandro Caraballo believes rhetoric on social media leads to real world violence. Unless that rhetoric is Caraballo's own. I love it. These people want to spread lies about the work that we do. And the only thing I've ever done is say violence don't work. Don't engage in violence. We have to win through nonviolent civil disobedience, elections, etc. Strategy, culture building. You get the point. These people, however, actively call for violence and then scream and cry. They're the victims, not the perpetrators. In fact, they're the perpetrators. You gotta watch this exchange. Nancy Mace masterfully exposes these liars and hypocrites. Let me play for you this clip.
1: Is rhetoric on social media a problem and a threat to our democracy, Mr. Ward? Yes, absolutely. Mr. Siegel? Yes. Ms. Car- Caraballo? Yes. Ms. Nomani? Yes. Ms. Tyler? Yes. Um, <clears throat> another question I have, uh, do you believe that rhetoric targeting officials with violence for carrying out their constitutional duties um, is a threat to democracy, Mr. Ward? Mr. Siegel.
2: Yes. 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 Yes.
1: Yes. All right, thank you very much. Only a few weeks after the attempted attack on a Supreme Court justice on June 25th, one of the witnesses, Alejandra Caraballo, tweeted out the following in response to a decision on abortion overturning Roe v. Wade. And I'll quote directly from the tweet, the six justices who overturned Roe should never no peace again. It is our civic duty to accost them every time they're in public. They are pariahs. Since women don't have their rights, these justices should never have a peaceful moment in public again. I know something about being accosted. The night of January 5th, I was physically accosted on the streets of DC in Navy Yard by a constituent of mine. I fervently blamed rhetoric rhetoric on social media rhetoric at public events for being physically accosted i carry a gun everywhere i go when i am in my district and
0: i'm at home because i just want to point out where you can you should probably just carry a gun
1: i know personally that rhetoric has consequences i've had my car keyed i've had my house spray painted i had someone trespass in my house as recently as august I've been doxxed on social media about where I live. Um, And I've had to add to security everywhere I go. Often, because I can't afford it, I have to carry my own firearm wherever I go. And um, Alejandra Caraballo also recently tweeted on November 19th, not even a month ago, that the Supreme Court vested with the judicial power of the United States by our Constitution stated they are not a legitimate court issuing decisions. And also the Supreme Court is an organ of the far right. So my last question today of Ms. Caraballo, do you stand by these comments, this kind of rhetoric on social media, and do you believe it's a threat to democracy?
0: Thank you, Representative, for the opportunity to clarify and provide context to my tweets. I have a
1: question, is it yes or no? Do you believe your rhetoric is a threat to democracy when you're calling to accost a branch of government, the Supreme Court?
0: I don't believe that's a correct uh, characterization what, of my oh, statements. Here we go, Did you here not tweet that? That you thought
1: go. that the Supreme These Court justice so
0: should be it. accosted? Did what
1: you I'm tweet saying is that, that, yes that no? is
0: not an accurate c- characterization of my statements.
1: On June 8th of this year, a man was arrested near Justice Brett Kavanaugh's home in Maryland. He told law enforcement officers he wanted to k- kill a Supreme Court justice. He was found. Um, uh, with uh, a knife, with a pistol, two magazines, ammunition, pepper spray, zip ties, a hammer, crowbar, and duct tape.
2: Ms. Carabio, on page 12 and 13 of your written testimony, you painted concerned parents as having been infiltrated by white nationalists and far right militia groups, which played a significant role in school board protests. This has not, this has not actually been my experience with concerned parents in no, your of testimony. Course, they're making it up. Obviously, you wrote that in Loudoun County, Virginia, unfounded rumors that spread in local parent groups on Facebook about an alleged trans student sexually assaulting a girl in a bathroom led to a firestorm of, of several heated school board protests that descended into violence. But in fact, the perpetrator. It actually turned out, had committed two sexual assaults at two different Loudoun County schools in 2021 and was arrested on October 7th, 2021 by the Loudoun County Sheriff's Office. These weren't unfounded rumors, as you suggest. It actually turns out law enforcement had to act because a sexual assault occurred. You come you come uh, to a fork in the road,
0: and uh, one uh, one path leads to your destination. The other path leads to death and destruction. On the side, on the side of each fork, there is an individual. One always tells the truth and one always lies. How do you figure out which path is the right path? It's the old riddle. The answer is actually fairly simple. You ask either one of them what the other would say, and then you do the opposite. So you have someone on the, on the left. And he says, I say, what would that guy tell me to do? He says, he would tell you to take this path right here. I asked the guy on the right, what would he tell me to do? He'd tell you to take the path right there. The person who always tells you the truth is going to tell you the liar's lying. The liar is going to tell you the person telling the truth is lying as well, giving you the answer. Do the opposite of what they say. The reason I bring that up is because what you see here with this hearing, Alejandra Caraballo actively called for physical violence against people. And somebody went to try and kill Kavanaugh. Caraballo goes online and lies about someone actually committing an atrocious crime against two underage girls. Lies about it to protect them. Nancy Mace, masterfully, Mr. Donald's, also excellent work, calling them out, getting it on video so we can see that these people are the liars. So when I talk of this riddle, there are two men. One on each side, one always tells the truth, one always lies. Not everybody knows the answer as to how do you solve this issue. And I don't know how it actually translates to the real world because it's much more complicated than that. But I'm just making a point about what do you do when you are uh, beset by someone who's always lying and someone who's always telling the truth. I don't think people on the right are perfect, but I can tell you this. People on the left are just outright making things up. I think often people on the right are just following the, the narrative in uh, their narrative. So you'll often see, like the other day I was talking about this with the NHL. They did a trans league. And I see a bunch of people on the right being like, ha you deserve this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait, hold on, guys. Come on. This is them doing a league separate from men's and women's league, creating their own league. Why is anybody mad about that? People can choose to play sports with whoever they want. I often think people are just like, you know, I'm going, to, oh, this is a thing to be mad about. Not everybody. On the left, however, you end up with these individuals, namely Carbayo and the others involved, who just outright make things up. Did you know fast growing trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? And I want to tell you why this one strikes at me so much. If I get in my car and I drive one minute, I'm in Loudoun County. One minute, not kidding. In fact, in order to get through West uh, th- uh, to get to West Virginia to the Maryland studio, I have to drive through Loudoun County. So it's a, a minute is probably an understatement. It's probably 45. Now nah, a I minute's mean, fair. A I minute's mean, fair. One minute. No, seriously, one minute is fair to get to Loudoun County. So I'm here. We we drive through Loudoun County. We go skate there sometimes. And I've seen the parents. I've seen what they've talked about. I've read the stories. I've looked into it. These people are lying. And they're advocating for violence. So while that was going on, I want to I want to pull up this story right here. This is what we have from uh the Daily Mail. Ah, it's a, it's absolutely amazing, isn't it? Ex-Twitter censor Yoel Roth and his boyfriend are forced to flee their 1.1 million dollar home after his thesis, which supports letting children use Grindr, a hookup app, is shared by Elon Musk. You, are you serious? He's had to flee. Where does this dude live? San Francisco. What is he fleeing? I know exactly where he lives, but I'm assuming it's in San Francisco, right? Blah blah blah. Let's 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 see what he says. Let's see where they gleefully talking about the app. Come on, come on, come on. Uh, longtime member appears tricky thing about Elon. yeah, okay we get the point. He reportedly fled his home. It's a lie. this is this is this is misinformation and manipulation. We've been swatted here. Oh, okay uh, El Cerrito. look okay, I don't know where that is where, where is that Do you guys know where El Cerrito Let me see if I can look that up. El Cerrito is in is it Texas? Oh no it's it's uh, it's California. And uh, I got the map right here. And, uh, oh, what's that? Oh, it's the bay. So, so, So this dude basically lives in Berkeley. And he's pretending like, now I have to flee my home. You live in Berkeley, dude. You're surrounded by Antifa. You're in the belly of the beast. What are you scared about? It's fake. I live in MAGA country. We get swatted 15 or so many times. We get the bomb squad sent here. We get people threatening my life. We get threatening phone calls sent to my family members. I don't flee my house. We just get guards. Why? I live in MAGA country, dude. Sure. There is a fear. Some crazy crackpot will come out to MAGA country. It's possible. But for the most part, I don't really think so. I mean, anybody who comes out here, I I beg you, please don't. MAGA country ain't going to take too kindly to far left whack jobs driving out into the middle of a rural area with no streetlights. I got to tell you, it's really funny. We had Vosh on the show, and he was talking about how, uh, I think it was him talking about it. Maybe it wasn't Vosh, how it's kind of freaky. You're coming out to the studio to come on Timcast IRL, it's pitch black, you can't see anything. You're driving down a country road. You turn left, and it's a very, very long, like 1,000-foot-long, I think it's 1,500-feet driveway, pitch black on all sides, and then you come up to this big building. You're in the middle of nowhere. So, you know, someone told us that they were freaked out. It may have been Vosh. I'm not sure. Maybe it wasn't Vosh. Yeah, please don't come here. This is MAGA country. And for that matter, I really don't believe that someone's going to go to Antifa country and go and track down Yoel Roth's house. I just don't see it. Now granted the bay area is densely populated and there's substantially more people who disagree. Like I'll put it this way, there's probably more maga people in the bay area than there are by me. True. Absolutely. Now, well, I'll tell you everybody who's who's around me are basically maga. It's densely pop it's it's sparsely I'm sorry, sparsely populated. So you might see 10 families in, you know, a few blocks. Whereas in San Francisco, you're going to see, you know, hundreds of thousands, in which case of those hundreds of thousands, you've probably got, let's say, five percent are MAGA people. So there's a lot more MAGA people. So, okay, fine. I get it. But I just don't believe it. I think what they do here, what they what, what they're doing with those hearings is they actively push for violence. They call for violence. They organize violence. And then the moment anyone says a naughty word, they go, help, help. I'm being repressed. Oh, no, I'm forced to flee my home. No, you're not. You're not. If I'm not, you're not. But then again, to be fair, in the Bay Area, you can't really have a gun. So, you know, that could be a big factor. I'm not super worried about someone coming here because we are armed to the teeth. And, uh, you know, the joke I made on Twitter was like, could you imagine? You know, all these people are posting. They're trying to post my address. They're not actually posting my address. Like the people, (laughs) let me just point out, we announced a new headquarters a long time ago. The, the backdrop for where I filmed changed. We moved, but they're posting this wrong address, but, but so be it, so be it. And I just said, could you imagine some like soy boy coming out to MAGA country and breaking into a building only to see some right wing nut job with a Barrett M82 pointed at him screaming yeehaw. Dude, the, the scary thing about MAGA country is that these people are like, you get this like 50 year old beer bellied guy with three guns on his belt. and He's like, boy, I'd wish Antifa would come up here. And I'm like, come on, come on. Like, I get it, but you don't want to. Oh, I wish they'd make my day. That's the attitude of a lot of these people. Maybe some of those people will go to jail because it's like, dude, you don't want to encourage that. But their point is basically this they want, they, they, they'd love to make an example of someone who tries to, to F around and find out. Do not come to MAGA country bringing that stuff around here. You want to come here and you want to hang out, people will talk to you. They got no problem there. But you come bring that violence, you come bring in those bricks your Molotovs, it ain't going to go well. I posted the photo on Twitter of the bullet hole in my kitchen. And the funny thing is, the deep criticism was, why did you miss? I didn't shoot the gun. I wasn't there. And somebody said, warning shots are lawful, but awful. It's like, look, I'm not going to speak to what happened. I wasn't there. Some people broke in. We believe it was politically, uh, politically targeted for a variety of reasons. I won't give away all the details because security issues. But this is where we're at in America, my friends. Uh, Caraballo and these other far leftists sitting before Congress, actively lying about everything because that's the game they play. It's a cult. Everything they do is to empower the cult. Everything they do is to convince regular people to stay in the cult. It's a cult. When you lie about what's going on and then call for violence, you're a cult. If I say something like, hey, guys, be independent, think for yourselves, watch left wing and right wing content, don't engage in violence. That's the opposite of a cult. I want you to be your own mind. I want you to watch whatever you want to watch. I want you to disagree with me when you disagree with me. I want you to be armed so that no one can force you to do anything. That's the opposite. So that's where we're at. We have the cult and the not cult. We have stories like this that I've pointed out. These people, someone like someone will throw a pebble at their window, like a kid will be walking by and he'll like flick a coin and it'll bang on the glass. And then they'll immediately go on Twitter and be like, someone's banging on my windows. They're trying to kill me. Then they'll come out and they'll say, see, proof the far right. Then these activist organizations will say terrifying reports of violence from the far right. And it was pointed uh, out to us on, on IRL I mean, we know this, but someone made a good point. If you went to the, the average person in this country, if you went knocked on the door and said, who do you think is more likely to engage in extreme violence, a left-wing person or a right-wing person, they would probably tell you a right-wing person, despite the fact that the right lives in the middle of nowhere and typically doesn't go outside. But you do have some uh, moments of intense violence. However, most of these like mass shootings aren't left or right-wing. However, when it comes to street-level violence, firebombs, Molotovs, the summer of love, the 529 insurrection. It is the left. January 6th. Yep. See, the Democrats get it. There's a reason why they did these hearings. There's a reason why they did prime time coverage of January 6th. They know that you, a smart person, won't care. They're targeting those who don't pay attention. Many of you are familiar with the Nigerian email scams, the Nigerian prince. You get an email and they're like, I am a prince in Nigeria with millions But I've been locked out due to a coup in my country. If you send me five grand, I will then be able to regain control of my bank accounts and send you a million dollars. People fall for that stuff. How, we say, how could you fall for it? The best part about these emails, they're often rife with grammatical errors and nonsensical statements, misstatements. And so when you get the email, you see it and you're like, these people are so stupid. These Nigerian scammers are so dumb they can't even spell an email right. But that you—that uh, is—that my friend—is when you must realize we are the midwits in that situation. We're smart enough, but not smart enough. You see, the, the Nigerian email scammers intentionally make uh, make their emails look stupid and fill them with grammatical errors. Why? They don't want to waste time on you. You're smart enough to know you're being scammed. Many people who are smart enough to know they're being scammed aren't smart enough to realize the email rife with errors is intentional because they don't want to waste time with someone who won't be scammed. Do you get it? They send out an email that looks dumb as a box of rocks and a stupid person goes, whoa, how do I send you the money, man? And it works. Typically, it's old people who they target. Understanding that, take a look at what the left does. They say things that seem to be the stupidest possible thing ever, and you don't fall for it. Neither do I. They don't care. They're not targeting you, the smart person who can see through their lies. They're targeting the stupid person who can't. January 6th hearings. They are amassing a mob of zombie NPC political voters or just people who don't pay attention at all and don't want to. That way they can ballot harvest. They can get funding and they can get votes. And they know you, the person who is ranging from midwit to smart, will not fall for their lies. And they don't care. They'll keep lying. You may be wondering, how is it possible that we see this over and over and over again and people keep, keep falling for it? That's exactly how. So as to how we solve this problem, I suppose you can't. We just have to build culture and win. You have to win the culture war. That's the most important thing. Now, they're definitely mad at Elon Musk, accusing him of being QAnon now, I guess, because he's winning. You look at these stories. Take a look at this one from The Washington Post, and I'll I'll cover this a little bit more in depth later. QAnon is finding new life in Elon Musk's conspiracy theories. Uh huh. Now, you probably see that and you go, these people are so stupid. Elon Musk is now promoting QAnon. Who's going to fall for that? The dumb people. And then they're going to march around going, "Yeah, Elon's so bad. He's he's QAnon." And you're going to go, "He posted a picture of an emoji of a rabbit. It's like a Matrix reference or something." No, I I I said it was, you know, he's he's you're 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 QAnon. And you're like, ugh. That's what the Democrats do. That's why Democrats want 16-year-old voters. Inexperience, a lack of wisdom. They want an ignorant voter base who will just vote however they tell them to vote." I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Drag queen invited to Biden White House once performed for a two-year-old boy. Same individual who tweeted that the kids are out to... Can't say the rest of that line because we try to be family-friendly, and it would probably get me in trouble with YouTube, but apparently it's good enough for this individual to go and perform at the White House and advocate for children... To observe sexualized, to observe sexualized performances. I got a question for you guys. You can comment below. What's winning? What is winning look like to you? What does getting better look like to you? Because I see these posts from time to time from people on Twitter where they're like, it's not that bad. Things are getting better. And I'm like, that is a demoralized person. That is, my friend, a demoralized person. Now, people come to me and they say, Tim, it's so negative. I can't take it. I don't want to watch. And I'm like, I hate to say it, man. That's demoralization. Paramore has a new song out. You know him, you love him, Haley Williams. And uh, it's called The News. And in it, she says, turn off the news, turn off the news. And I'm like, that is a demoralized person. Imagine being in a war. Imagine being a soldier. Imagine any war movie you've ever seen. Many of you don't need to imagine it. You've done it. It's awful, isn't it? I mean, when we watch these movies, we see these things, we know it's awful. And there are people who choose to stay in that knowing it's awful, it's hard, it's brutal, it's gruesome, it's dangerous. The worst possible circumstances a person could find themselves in, in many instances. And they choose to be there knowing it's bad because they're fighting for something better. There's a meme image And it shows uh, a man and woman standing on this like grassy cliff and they're like hugging and everything around them is all nice. And then underneath it, it's a bunch of bloody soldiers holding up the ground. And uh, in no way am I trying to relate anything I do to anything as crazy as that. In fact, the point I'm trying to make is that this is substantially easier than anything that would uh, be involved in, in real warfare. But there are people who say, I can't do it. I can't listen. It's too negative all the time. I don't want to be involved. And I mean, no disrespect. You got to do your thing, but I see from time to time these people say that things are going are getting better. Things are not as bad as they as they seem, and my response immediately is that's demoralization, and I'll tell you why. We're at the point where Project Veritas exposed a dean of a school bragging, gloating about giving children adult objects and having someone explain to them spitting on them or lubing them up. And is, this is defended by the left as just sex education. And I'm like, no, it's kink education. Like, that's where we're at. Sex education was always like, uh, we're going to teach you about your organs. And we're going to teach you how babies are made. Because that's a part of life. Now, it's, they're teaching kids how to insert things that do nothing but cause bodily damage for personal kink gratification, I guess. I mean, I, 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 whatever. I don't, I'm not going to pretend to be a medical doctor. Okay, so I'll just say there, there's nothing there but kink. These things are not universal. Teaching a child how to use one of these objects makes no sense. They don't even do that in other parts of the world. Not every human being is interested in doing these weird things. It's kink education. So when someone comes and says, ah, it's not as bad as they say, I say, 10 years ago, if you went to someone and said the White House would invite a drag queen who advocates for sexualized performances for children and tweeted about how the kids are out to S.A., you get the point to suck, I'll stop there. You'd say, bull, no way. Never going to happen. I refuse to believe it. But here we are. If 10 years ago you said, following this, armed groups would show up outside of events where groomers are targeting children with sexualized performances, they would say, no way, never going to happen. And then on top of that, if I told you, they would then accuse you, the liberal, 10 years ago, That by calling up pedophiles, you were actually just insulting the LGBT community. Is that really what they think? It's the funniest thing. Uh, I got no beef with the LGBT community at all. Uh, You know, Some of my best friends are are LGBTQ. Mm. Not that it means a whole lot, but it's true. I mean, we have uh, friends of the show and uh, some good friends of mine. And I got no issue with what they do with their lives. I want them to be happy. I I believe that they should be allowed to get married and have coupling. Dave Rubin has kids. I'm all about it. Dave Rubin's a good dude. I think Dave Rubin's going to do right by his kids and he's going to raise some really intelligent, successful individuals. I love it. I got no issue with LGBTQ. I got issue with groomers targeting children. That's it. You call it out and they lie. So here's my point because I see this story and I'm just like, yo, this is so bad. Even Newsweek does this. Who is Marty G. Cummings, drag artist invited by Joe Biden to the White House? And then you have to go all the way down to the bottom where they mention that he says the kids are out to sing an S. S. D. Okay. It's unclear whether the comments refers to actual children or if kids is simply an expression to indicate young people, not necessarily underage. Oh, come on, dude. I'm beyond. Giving these people the benefit of the doubt when they're performing for two-year-olds. OK, so if somebody wants to come and says it's, it's not that bad, I ask you, what does winning look like to you? Is winning like accepting that they're having sex performances for children? Is winning that uh, the White House is inviting these people in? Is it, It's not that bad. Is that to say that you don't think it matters all that much that a dean of students in Chicago is bragging about giving these toys to children? Yesterday on Timcast IRL, we had Riley Moore, state treasurer for, for uh, uh, the state of West Virginia. And he mentioned how in some of these schools, they have these books. And then I point to gender he goes, that's the book. And when I tell my friends who are normie default libs, look at this book, they go, there's no way this is in school. I, don't, I schools, I don't believe you. And I'm like, right. Well, it is. I don't whatever, you don't have to believe me. Like I'm not making it up. I'm like, well, I'll have to look into it cuz that seems wrong. Not that bad. Not that bad is the current state we're in. Uh okay, sorry. For me, I have like a line. And I see these people saying, "You know, I went outside and I got a burger and everything seemed okay." And bubbling beneath the surface is uh, it's just it's crazy. Bubbling beneath the surface, it's crazy. And they say it's not that bad. Well, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe you don't mind it. Maybe you don't care that people are doing this because your view of success is I'm going to raise my own family, have lots of kids, make money, influence the culture war, and let them do their thing because in a long enough period of time, their ideology won't exist. Okay, I can respect and understand that. So uh, I still think you have to actively push back against this if you want to make sure your kids are safe from it. But there's another issue at play. Aside from the fact that this stuff's actively happening with kids, you have this story from Newsweek. Armed protest at Christmas drag show highlights intensified LGBTQ threats. A group of armed protesters on Tuesday gathered outside a theater in San Antonio, Texas to protest an annual holiday-themed drag show, marking the second time a theater in the city was recently tar- targeted excuse me, for hosting LGBTQ events. The far-right group, this is Texas Freedom Force, which has been deemed by the FBI as a militia extremist group, announced the planned protest outside Aztec theater on social media. The group claimed on its Twitter account that the show was about grooming kids and wants drag shows to be limited to those 18 years of age or older in the state. In response to the far right group's threats, local LGBTQ community members organized a counter protest to stand in support of the show, which travels to 36 different cities during the months of November. We were setting up we're setting up a new uh, business in West Virginia and uh, a little bit down the road from us. uh, Not too not too far, though. They had an all ages drag show the past couple of months. And that made me want to actually be like, I ain't investing in this city. It's small town. But if they're doing this grooming stuff, I'm like, do I really want to be here? And ultimately, we decided, ultimately, we decided, yes, we should, because you know what we're going to do? We're going to put up in the windows things like Molan Labe and uh, the Gadsden flag, you know, things like that. America first. We're going to outright proclaim this is what we believe in. This is what matters. Put a West Virginia flag in there and say, get your grooming garbage out of my business. We don't want it here. Bring it somewhere else. You got to push back. You can't just retreat. So that's that's what I'm talking about. But take a look at this. There's a here's a tweet from uh, Steven Zetti. Steve, Steve and Zetti. He says the size of the pro LGBTQ crowd has grown significantly now more than doubling the anti LGBTQ protesters. You see the dirty game they play. Are these protesters anti LGBTQ or are they anti groomer? They said your space, your events should should be limited to people 18 and older. That doesn't sound like anti LGBTQ. It sounds like they're actually pro children's protection, not anti LGBTQ. That's the game they play. Here's the issue that I see with talking about whether it's good or bad or what's going on. The people who push back against this has, have everything to lose their family, their friends, their kids, their jobs. The people supporting the grooming have everything to gain. They have no families, they probably don't have jobs. They got nothing to lose by protesting, but everything to gain with their devious predilections. That's the challenge here. What dad is going to be like, I'm taking off work to go and protest groomers. So perhaps to you, it not being that bad, success winning is having kids, raising them right. It's a minefield out there. You know, your kids are going to encounter this stuff and it's, it's, it's going to be a real issue. Here's the game they play. The Daily U- Daily News says use of homophobic slur by prominent anti-LGBTQ Twitter accounts increased by 1200% since Musk takeover report. This is called information laundering. It's not true. Elon Musk has already released the data showing that's not true. So what they've done is they are now claiming media matters that if you in- if you call out pedophiles, you are using anti-LGBTQ slur. All right. You know what I won't use the word groomer anymore. I'm so sorry. I'm number one, by the way. So uh, I won't use the word. I'll just say pedophile. You want to defend that term? By, by all means, uh, go ahead and do so. Here we are. So they reported Elon Musk's tumultuous takeover at Twitter has led to an explosion in anti LGBTQ rhetoric, blah, blah, blah. A new report. It's completely fake. The report was released by Media Matters for America and Glad, the world's largest blah, blah. The report found that the grooming term, used to advance a false and debunked grooming narrative, portraying LGBTQ people as seeking to convert or recruit uh, heterosexual and cisgender children, was retweeted by the accounts more than 48,000 times in the first months of a uh, month of the Musk era. Oh yeah, like as soon as Elon took over, I tweeted the word groomer. I was like groomer, because you can't sh- you can't you can't ban speech. So here's the issue: um, I have never. Uh, I, being the number one personality on their list, will uh, uh, expressly state I have never advanced a narrative that LGBTQ people are seeking to convert or recruit children. I don't know what that even means. I have, however, pushed the idea, um, and I'll use that in in a in, a, in a, I'll, Let me clarify. I have retweeted images of adult males showing sex images to children and called them groomers because groomer isn't about recruiting someone necessarily. Right. So let's say first, most groomers, most groomers in the world, uh, straight white men, you know, and and we talked about this last night because people will be like, how can you call a pedophile straight? There's clearly something wrong. And I'm like, no, no, no," because grooming, the, the bulk of it is getting a young woman and then, you know, here's what they do. They'll bring them to, like, it's, it's a photo shoot. We're doing modeling. And then they'll say something like, okay, we're going to do some nudes. You're totally cool with that, right? Everyone does it. And then when the girl's like, I don't know if I want to do that, they'll be like, honey, this is modeling. Are you kidding? And they'll go, okay, I guess. Take the pictures. Pay them a bunch of money. And then they'll be like, we can totally do more. Hey, why don't you, here's a guy. You're going to, like, hold, you're going to hold on to him in a bikini. It's like a swim." They, they do that over and over again. And then within a few months, that young girl who's now 18 or whatever, they have doing hardcore stuff. That happens all the time, that's grooming. Now, what we're calling out here, specific instances of grooming, in which you have adult men showing children sexualized imagery or sexualized performances. That's how you do it. You introduce them to something like, hey, would you like to do some modeling for me? Hey, modeling's totally normal. Wear this dress. Can I put your shoulder strap down? Now you want to do nudes, right? you increment them one step at a time until you've got them doing something they would not normally do grooming so what they do is a straw man and they lie first the tweets i put out were basically like lgbtq people are not groomers grooming does not refer to lgbtq people it refers to people who are trying to groom children into sexualized performances or behaviors they then create a fake narrative claim that's what we're talking about it's the funny thing right cuz like the tweets in question of mine that got so many retweets were me literally saying groomer does not refer to LGBTQ people. Like there's an organization called Gays Against Groomers. OK, they're not they're not insulting themselves. But I digress. I digress. Tell me it's not bad. That's my question. When this is the information laundering here, we, here we go. Uh, oh, they, they they got a quote from me. Oh, I love it. They said the accounts include far right activist and one American news host, Jack Posobiec. MMA fighter Jake Shields, YouTuber Tim Poole, and Seth Dillon, the CEO of right-wing site Babylon B. Hey, hey, how come I'm not the first name? I- I'm number one, all right? You know, putting Jack Posobic, Jack, come on. Jack, you're number two. That's the first loser. That's what Luke said the other day. I'm kidding, Jack. Uh, Shields defended himself on Twitter saying that he's not anti-gay, anti-grooming children. Poole tweeted that Media Matters is trying to conflate pedophiles with the LGBTQ community. I appreciate the inclusion of that because that's what they're doing. And it clearly shows that I'm not referring to the LGBTQ community. According to the report, other right-wing accounts also saw substantial increases in mentions, blah, 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 blah. So information laundering. How are things going? I think it's fair to say that if we succeed, and we are, maybe things are going well. Just because things look bad does not mean that they're getting worse, I do think in many ways they are getting worse. Notably, uh, I'll give you an example. Project Veritas exposes this dean. He's bragging about bringing kids in, like giving them adult toys. And then when he gets caught, the school defends it. Yikes. But I also think in many ways we are winning. The night is always darkest before the dawn. And we now have news organizations. We now have Elon Musk buying Twitter. And we are calling out this degenerate, disgusting behavior. And I think we're winning. You know, I don't know that the average demoralized person will do anything to speak up against this, right? As Yuri Bezmenov said, a totally demoralized person, it's it's irreversible. You can show them that black is black and white is white, and they won't care. They're totally demoralized. I don't know if I would describe that as demoralization other than total conversion to the cult. To me, demoralization represents when someone says something like, you know what? I went outside, realized things weren't that bad. Everyone must be exaggerating. Life is good. I'm just going to sit here shaking, drinking coffee and eating my Big Mac. Demoralization to me is when a person stops pushing back against the the degeneracy and then starts advocating for people to just lay down. Just forget about it. Just go outside and enjoy a slice of pizza. Everything's a-okay. That's demoralization. When you've given up the fight and said, "What's the point? I don't care anymore. Leave me out of it." You know, considering how bad things have gotten, I've certainly contemplated at what point do I just get in my van and go live down by the river. But there have been um, there have been a lot of people who have been helped by the work that we do here at Timcast directly and indirectly, and that's why I've ultimately decided. You know, so in the past month or so, with all the death threats, particularly for calling out pedophiles. The death threats are serious because I mean they're powerful individuals who want to push this stuff. It's crazy. I mean the Epstein stuff was real. The guy was was arrested. Maxwell's in jail. That stuff all happened. These powerful interests don't like it, so we get death threats. We get break-ins. We get we get bomb threats. We get the SWAT team. You know uh, we get swatted, and I'm thinking to myself, man, maybe it's just not something uh, you know we, we I can keep up. And then there's a few stories of individuals and uh, fans that have been seriously and positively impacted by the work that we do. And I'm like, nah, we're helping too many people. Too many people. One example is Mr. Bocas. Uh, you can't see him, but Mr. Bocas is very sick and he doesn't have long for this world. And be- uh, so one thing we did was by adopting him, he's got a heart, genetic heart defect and genetic kidney defect. We didn't know about that. And I was thinking about I'm using him as an example because he's my cat, and I don't want to call anybody out specifically and talk about their hardships. I think that would be rude and would go against the good things that have come about with the work we do. But thinking about Mr. Bocas, the cat, he's on the website at timcast.com. If you become a member, you'll see him in the center square as our star talent. He's really gotten thin as his uh, kidneys and his heart are having problems. But, you know, he's about four years old, and he probably would have been euthanized. He, he was a gutter kitty living in the streets. They, res- they rescued him, brought him to a store, and then said, please adopt him. And we adopted him, and we gave him a very, very, very good life, despite the fact that it will be relatively short due to his problems. But I thought about, what if, we, what if I chose to leave it all behind? What if I chose to walk away from the fight? What if I chose to stop calling this stuff out? How much bad stuff would then begin piling up? It may feel like we are, who is it, Sisyphus, pushing the boulder up the hill forever, But when you zoom out on that story, you imagine seeing this man pushing a boulder uphill for eternity. But that is just life. That is just life. When you focus on the minutia, when you focus on the day to day, it may seem like you are pushing up a boulder and getting nowhere, just doing it forever. But then you stop, you look back and you realize you've actually pushed this boulder up over a thousand feet. And the mountain does not go on forever. There is a point at which you can actually find a slope. Well, I should put it this way. You'll always be pushing the boulder. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean it always has to be bad, Have to be bad. There may come a point where the tides change. And the boulder rests, and we say, and now we find reprieve. Eventually, you'll have to start pushing that boulder again. But for all the people at the bottom of the hill who are not being crushed by that boulder as it flies down the hillside... That's the work that you are doing to keep them further and further away from danger. So that's what I think about. The positive impact, the work that we've, we've done has had, and that, my friends, reverses any feeling of demoralization. Because I would love nothing more than to hop on a plane, go to Alaska and just, I, cold places, I like cold places, and just to, you know, travel around, see Antarctica, and just say, I'm going to live my life and experience. But when you think about that, when I think about that, I'm reminded of all of the good that we've done. I'm reminded of our good friends like Mr. Bocas, who, because of the work that we've done here, has been able to live a very, very good life despite his, his defects. There are other individuals who we've helped, up, helped lift up and given opportunity to, and there are people who, on the periphery of our work, have uh, done better and better. And I think about that, and I say, that's why we do what we do to bring awareness to the things that are happening, to call out the lies, to empower the people, and to leave a lasting impact preserving freedom, liberty, meritocracy, etc. And that means when we see these stories, we have to call them out. That means we have to mention that there is a problem. That means I have to tell you that it is not all that great outside. Well, life is good. There's always time to go out and smell the flowers. But we are, we are faced with this giant boulder, And if we decide to step aside and let the boulder go, I don't want to push it anymore. I'm done. It rolls downhill and slams into the village and kills a bunch of people. So you know what? We just have to keep pushing that boulder up further and further. That's the nature of life. So as things do get crazier and crazier, as long as we are here calling it out, we're winning. And I think we are winning. Sure, bad stuff is happening. Some worse things are happening, but the night is always darkest before the dawn. We must keep pushing back, and eventually, it will stop. And we'll find a new fight, and we'll keep fighting to make things better. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Oh, I got bad news for everybody. I'm not going to be able to work. Maybe I'll be able to work uh, tonight. I'm sitting here at my desk with Allison, my girlfriend, and Mr. Bocas. So I record three segments every day. I record around nine and uh, around noon, and then around, I don't know, between one to 2.30ish or so. And after finishing my second segment, pulling tabs, I got a story about uh, Twitter and Elon Musk and how, you know, his detractors are struggling to find an alternative to Twitter because Twitter is the dominant platform. Mr. Bocas is my cat, and he is very sick. And uh, his sickness has been rapidly progressing and then as I was uh, getting ready to work, he was struggling to stand up, and then Allison helped him get to the litter box, and he just he's almost fell over. So it doesn't seem like Mr. Pocus is going to last much longer. So I figured we'll take the opportunity to get my work done by producing some kind of uh, segment for you guys, talking to you about Mr. Bokus, he's a cat. His story. And uh, it's all very selfish, I guess, because uh, I suppose I could do nothing. Just say, I'm not gonna produce anything for this evening. But I wanted to make a video while we still had bocus here on friday bocus was hanging out here and uh, i thought he left cuz we you know he goes outside and does bocus stuff and he seemed fine he was walking around he was nuzzling he was meowing complaining about stuff and wanting food and then uh, i thought he left and we were looking all over i'm like where did he go did someone let him outside and he was sitting on the couch and we were like okay well we gotta we gotta head over to the studio uh and so we brought book with us to the studio and as soon as we put him down inside he effectively passed out he slumped to the to the floor and then his face just went on the floor and we were like okay something's wrong and uh, we had seen some minor symptoms of something wrong with him. And I didn't know, you know, we, were, we, we thought it was minor. I thought it was a constipation or something. Like, ah, he probably got in the dog food again. Because he got in the dog food a while ago, and they were like, don't let him eat dog food. And they had to give him, like, what, did it, a colonic or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a kitty's always getting constipated. And uh, he went to the ER. And then uh, he, he first went to the animal hospital, then to the ER, because they were like, it's very serious. He's on the verge of death. And so this is, you know, we're finding it out after the show and, and on Friday. They kept him over the weekend. And they basically told us that it was going to be hospice care, that he's got kidney problems. He's got underdeveloped kidneys. He's got a heart problem. It's genetic, you know. So this is Mr. Bocus And uh, this video is going to serve multiple purposes. One, I'll still get something up on YouTube because I really just... Don't like skipping out on work, but I gotta be honest, we were just sitting by the bathroom by the litter box as Bocas is struggling to move, and there's no way I'm gonna be able to do anything. But then I also just thought that having uh, a video with him while he's still here would be something important to do. So next week we're leaving. This weekend, we're going to Phoenix for the Turning Point USA event. And it's possible that by the time we get back, there will not be a Mr. Bocas. He won't be here anymore. On Monday, I was thinking about just not working at all, but man, took a week off for Thanksgiving. we we will probably end up taking the week off after Christmas, namely because we had some cool guests, uh, one guest canceled. and then it's just like, are we really gonna be able to pull this off just because everybody wants to be with family and all this stuff. And so I really just don't like taking time off. I want to work, but if you can't do it, you can't do it. And so, you know, on Monday, I was thinking, I should probably just go to the emergency room. I don't want to leave Bocas in this cold, sterile environment. But then we got word that he was doing better. And, you know, uh, his his blood was was okay. You know, they thought it was, the end was near for him. But they uh, they were like, he's doing, he's doing okay. Well, we'll keep an eye on him. And then, you know, eventually said, look, we're not really helping him by keeping him here. Why don't you come get him? When he came back, uh, Allison went and picked him up last night while we were doing the show, and uh, it's it's from Friday until today the deterioration is r- very serious, and so uh, you know I was like we'll just keep working we have him here with us and I honestly thought you know when the doctor was talking to us she was like maybe maybe he'll last uh, a couple months and if he does you know I want to f- we'll follow up. But after seeing him struggle to walk nearly fall over trying to use the litter box he tried to use the litter box didn't quite make it in all the way and then he just slumped over and just kind of just stopped moving so i don't know if he's gonna last much longer but instead of instead of talking about all the bad stuff while i have uh while i have mr bocus here maybe i can get a good photo of him for a thumbnail or something i will tell you the story of mr bocus so he was a gutter kitty as i was told And uh, not adopted by me, by somebody else, but he was, uh, he lived in my house and then ultimately was uh, essentially gifted to us because everybody in the house very much liked Mr. Bocas. His name was originally Bucko. It is Bucko. And he was named uh, as an homage, I guess, to Jordan Peterson's Clean Your Room Bucko. And then... uh, we just kept giving him weirder and weirder nicknames until ultimately the name that stuck was Bocus. I don't know why. It's just Bocus. And then a mister got tacked onto it. And then I remember uh, Libby Emmons, who uh, over at the Post Millennial, this is, I'll never forget this because it was the best. When she came over the first time and met Mr. Bocus, I was like, uh, this is our cat, Mr. Bocus, And she's like, your cat's name is Mr. Bokus, And I was like, yeah. <laughs> she laughed. So very much enjoyed that. Many people who have come through this house have met the famous Mr. Bokus. He has tortured many birds mercilessly. He, uh, he would cripple them and then lay in the grass staring at them with a smug look on his face. And then when the bird would uh, try to escape, he would jump in the air and whack it as hard as he could. And they would just lay on the ground. And so <laughs> we had to come out with all of the staff watching Bocus just sit there with his tail flapping, his eyes half closed, just mercilessly torturing this bird. And the bird was bleeding. And so I had to pick him up and I picked him up to get him away from the bird. And he's like, Nya! he's screaming as we carry him away. And then I had to get a pellet rifle and put the poor little bird out of its misery. He was very, very angry. <laughs> that was very mean to Bocus that day, I suppose. And there was another day where there was another cat here uh, a while ago whose name was Scuttle. I called him Herman. Adam and Nish called him Osiris. They still call him Osiris. And he was watching Bocus and he would follow him around and they would just hang out. Bocus, being much, much younger, would uh, he's only four, would, uh, you know, hunt mice. And then one day I came out and I saw Osiris. He's this gray cat with blue eyes, about 10 feet away, laying down, just watching Bocus. And Bocus was right next to the mouse. And uh, every time the mouse, the mouse was like on its back, like hyperventilating. And he would just stare at it. And then again, when the mouse would try to get up and move, Bocus would whack it with his, with his paw. And then it would just get stunned again. So I pulled Bocus away. He started screaming. Then I got a stick and I held it for the mouse who... who uh, grabbed onto it with his little mouse hand, and I picked him up, and I saved that little mouse's life, and I'm sure Bocas was not too happy about it. But, you know, Bocas wasn't, uh, wasn't preying on the mouse. He was just torturing it. So if he was going to... I know, it's what cats do. I got another story for you. One day, I don't know if you found this first, but I went into the, the foyer by the front door, and there was a, ra- a small rabbit's body... Head, no, the you, head. You definitely found it. I found it. <laughs> <And he> w- <laughs> the rabbit's head was removed from its body, and Bocus was chewing on the skull. He was. <laughs> he <woke> me up <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, Allison, you need to come see this quick. And she's like, What? And then I was like, Come look. I was like, Aw. We pointed to the decapitated baby rabbit. And then. Uh, His face was like in its stomach. He was eating it. It was nibbling on like the neck, the bone. You merciless little. Killer. Uh, you know, Allison cleaned it up. Yeah, She's very nice. <laughs> and, uh, you know, from that point on, we were gifted many corpses on the front porch. Many of the staff were able to uh, bask in the glory that was the hunting prowess of Mr. Bocas. Uh, there was a dead bird ripped to shreds. It was a very beautiful bird, too. It was, like, pink and red. And he ripped it to shreds and then left its body just on the s- next to the door. And it just sat there, its head, and its mangled feathers. As, I don't know, but he wanted to sweep it up, I guess. We don't really use the front door so much, so it was kind of... And there was another time we caught him. he caught a, a lizard. Yeah. And he bit right into its back, killing it, and then just dropped it. Because that's what cats do. They're merciless little torturers. And, uh, you know, he would sleep on the, on the porch in a little chair... And we'd walk up, and we'd see him just, you know, chilling. So I, I never saw this coming. I, I figured, you know, his bock is going to be around for twenty years. He eats really, really well. Everybody takes care of him. We knew that him being outside was bad. But, you know, when we moved to this area in Western Maryland, West Virginia, and, uh, well, I'll go back when we go back in time. When we were in New Jersey we would let him out onto the deck of the house. The deck of the house had no stairs or any way to get down. And it was like, I don't know, seven, eight feet off the ground. But Bocas was very much determined to go exploring. And we were worried that if he got out, not being an outdoor cat, he would act a fool, get lost, get hurt. A couple times, we, we let him out onto the back deck and he goes to the edge and jumped down like seven or eight feet onto the concrete. And then he would like, you know, shake his little paw like he heard it, and then he'd run off. And then we'd be like, ah, we have to go find him, and then bring him back, and he'd be yelling. So when we came out to this area, we, we kept him inside. But, you know, the castle where everybody works is very large. And so we were like, you know, he's, it's, it's, it's fine. He's got space. He can play. He, was, he would run around. I mean, this is six months ago. Six months ago, he's running full speed up and down the hallways and the open spaces. But when we moved here about two years ago, and uh he was sleeping in his little cat tower and just looked depressed all the time he wouldn't get up he'd get up eat take a dump go back and go to sleep and i was like he's not even playing anymore you know i was like so something's wrong and what was wrong was that he was depressed so we go to the door and go to open it he runs over all excited and then uh we let him go outside and the fear was he's going to get hurt he's going to get sick Something's going to get him. Something's going to kill him. But we thought about it. We talked about it and said, dangerous freedom over peaceful slavery. He was much happier roaming around the property, killing birds and hunting and eating them. We have a video of him uh, only a couple months ago carrying a whole squirrel, an adult squirrel. We were, wow, he killed an adult squirrel. And he carried it into one of our ramps, quarter pipe, where we couldn't get him out. And he began to eat it. <laughs> so I, I don't believe that eating the wild animals played a role at all in his, uh, in his sickness. And at first, when we heard that he had kidney failure, I was really scared that what happened was we let him out. He gets into antifreeze or something. He gets into some garbage and it kills his kidneys. And, you know, we talked about it. But ultimately we said, you know, we knew that letting him outside was going to increase the likelihood that he doesn't make it. But it is better to have dangerous freedom over peaceful slavery. The idea that we would keep him in the house where he was unhappy just because we wanted some critter that we could giggle at and point at and laugh at and he would just be miserable, I doesn't doesn't stand doesn't sound right to me. As I was like, you know, Bocas should get to go and, and, and fulfill his own dreams and live his own life. I know he's just a cat, but, you know, he has his plans and everything. And uh, it sounds like, based on what we learned from the doctor, uh, multiple doctors actually, three, actually, maybe even four, that he just lost the genetic lottery, I guess. I'm not so convinced it's genetic, though. They said it was uh, he's got small kidneys, they're, they're underdeveloped or just small. He's got a heart defect, and because of these two problems, he can't, get kidney tra- he can't get a kidney transplant. He can't get dialysis. They just said, basically, we can give him medication, which we would treat like hospice care, and they, she, the doctor said, hopefully, he makes it to Christmas, but from the sounds of it, they said it seems like something that was just going to happen, that at a certain point, his kidney function was going to start decreasing, which was going to cause complications with the heart. Because when kidney function starts decreasing, cats can develop heart murmurs, but he already had a defect in his heart, as we learned from the cardiologist. And so, as much as it's painful that he might not last much longer, I'm very, very glad that we did let him go out and murder all those birds all those nasty little birds who are flying around on my property, you know, I never gave him permission to come here, and landed on my lawn, eating my flowers or whatever, huh? And Bocus, you know, he told them, because he knew I don't like trespassers, you guys know I don't like trespassers, so he went out there and he showed those birds what for, that's right, no, I'm kidding, I, I don't mind the birds, we have a birdhouse for them, they're okay, but uh, I always thought it was funny, because like, we open the door and Bocus runs out full speed. And I have to imagine that the birds, when they're like flying around, they see me and they see Bocus and they're like two predators teaming up to make their lives more difficult and more dangerous. You know, I'm just imagining like they see me walking around outside and they're like, he's in league with that cat. The cat wants to kill us. Well, Bocus's killing days are over. So, I fully expected to just produce a uh, segment. I got articles pulled up. Thought it was going to be funny. Going to talk about all the whiny, whiny people who hate Elon Musk, who are saying, I'm going to quit Twitter, but then don't. And then want to come back. And, uh, you know, there's no way I could do it. And uh, as I mentioned, I'll I'll say it again. I figured at the very least, while he's still alive and sitting here, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what I wanted to do. Last week, I think it was just last week, while we were in the studio recording IRL, we're live. We hear, Nyee! and I look over at Ian, and then Ian laughs, and he's like, "That is focus is outside, because people would leave the door open to the upstairs, Bokus would come up, and he would scratch on the door, and he would yell, because he wanted to come in, and every so often, we'd let him in, and Luke was like, don't let that little terrorist in here. Don't let that little terrorist in here, and he would jump up on the table, and he would start drinking out of Ian's water, and like Ian would have no water then because Bocus is drinking it. But he seemed totally fine. There are a few older videos from uh, back when I lived in uh, Jersey where Bocas is like sitting on a shelf behind me as I did the video because he would like curl up and go to sleep. You know, so I, I, I thought that uh, we'd have another decade with, uh, with Mr. Bocas. I was planning on bringing him up to the studio during IRL. And let him have one, you know, one last hangout. Well little homie can't even stand up for the most part. So I was doing research. And then I turn around and I see Allison rushing over. Because uh, Mr. Bocas was falling over. And uh, I noticed like some drool in his mouth or whatever. And then uh, Allison brought him over to the litter box where he tried and missed, but he tried. He was very sick. I just can't believe he's deteriorating so quickly. I was saying that I was was thinking about not working at all on Monday and just going to the animal hospital. I know he's just a cat. I've had people say, oh, grow up, Tim, have a kid. I'm like, I get it, man. It doesn't mean I don't love my cat. He's not a person. I'm not gonna, you know, it's, it's, he's a cat, you know, he's a pet, he's not a human being, but we still love our pets, and so I, I I I talked about it a little bit when I was recording on Monday, because I said, you know, as I'm getting ready for the day, I was thinking, do I just record these segments, talk about the news, and then cross my fingers and hope that, uh, Mr. Bocas comes home, I get to see him, and I thought to myself, I know he's just a cat, but there is no point in my life, no matter how old I get, where I would look back to this day and say, I am so glad I did not go say goodbye to my cat and I instead complained about something on the internet. Nope. So I thought the same thing today. You know, I was working. Bocus was laying just here behind me. And I'm checking on him periodically. And he's laying there, curled up, got a smug look on his face, as he always does. And I said, okay, I think he'll be all right for a little while. He he laid down, he rolled around, he was licking his butthole and stuff, as cats do. And then, you know, as I'm getting ready for my uh, 4 p.m., that's when he got up, struggled to walk, nearly fell over. Allison helped him in front of the litter box. And then, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, we're watching him struggle. And I thought, I'm not going to be able to make anything. There's no way I'm going to talk about Elon Musk. There's no way that I'm going to get up from this moment, which may be his last, so that I can complain on the internet. But I am industrious and crafty. And I said, you know what? There's a way to do this. We should sit down, talk about what's going on, talk about some of the finer moments with, with Bocus and who he is. Because then I can still make something meaningful and talk about the things that matter to me. Still have something to put online. But I must confess... This video is not for you. And I kind of, there's a reluctance to even putting it up, but I'm going to because this video is for me. This video is so that no matter how old I get, I will be able to come back. I'll be able to watch this video. We talked a bit about kidney failure in cats and his heart problem when, uh, on IRL a few days ago. And I was like, you know, some of the options that we've read about are kidney transplant where you actually adopt another cat. Typically these other cats could get euthanized. And so it's a trade-off. You know, we don't want the shelter cats to die. We don't want we don't want, you know, our pets to die. I mean I got to be honest. I don't I don't I don't want to kill my chickens. I don't want to kill a cow. But I get it. We eat. There's livestock. There's food, right? So you know, I love my chickens. We, we're, Roberto Junior is a member of the team, one of our top talent uh, employees here at TimCast. But there may come a time when we, you know, well, we're not. We're never going to eat Roberto Junior. You know, he's more of a pet. But we'll eat the other chickens. Like I don't want to kill them because we raise them. But this is a this part of life, you know. But I was talking to, uh, we're talking about on Timcast IRL, and I mentioned it could be $20,000 for a kidney transplant. And he could go on to live for another year. Uh, Some have actually gone on to live full lives. They they talk about uh, on the website, a couple of their uh, uh, transplant recipients lived for 13 more years. And I said, okay, but do we spend $20,000 to save a cat? And someone said, I would spend $40,000 for one more day with my cat. Well, the bad news we got is that Bocas has a genetic heart problem. He would not be a good candidate for a transplant. So, Mr. Bocas gets to get one last video in. Maybe it won't be the last. But, you know, I'll at least get to have something that I guess is tantamount to uh, memorial. You know, we are planning on bringing him over to the studio for everybody for our Christmas party, and then everybody could say that they loved him. But I'm not sure he's going to make it that long. It's kind of crazy to think that it was only like six months ago he's running around the hallways, peeing on the floor like a little like a little jagoff. A little terrorist. Yelling. He would break it. He would go into the pantry and start trying to steal the bacon. Stealing bacon. Mr. Bocus. Yeah. And I've had I've had a bunch of people come to me and be like, maybe it was this, maybe it was that, maybe this caused it, maybe that caused it. And I'm like. He's really young to have this kind of th- these kinds of problems. But uh, we had an internal medicine specialist. We had an emergency doctor. We had a local vet, and we had the cardiologist, and they were just like, he lost the genetic lottery. But you know what the good news is? The most important thing? If we had left him in that, uh, in that store and nobody adopted him, they'd just euthanize him. Or maybe he'd have gone to a, a, a worse off place. I don't know. All I know is that this this mf and cat lived like a king. Oh man. He went from the gutter to the one percent. It's like one of those '80s movies where they take the homeless guy and they put him in the trading places. Only we didn't take a good cat and put him in the gutter. You know what I mean? You know. We took a cat named Mr. Bocas. We gave him a good life. We brought him to the doctor to try and give him everything we could. It didn't work. And so here he is. He's trying to get comfortable. So here's what I'm going to say. Sat here for a half an hour for two reasons. Well, for, for several reasons. The most important reason is there will always be, on this YouTube channel, the final video for Mr. Bocus. And it's for me, not for you, but I appreciate you're here. It's so that I can say, with something that I built, with the help of many people over a period of time, I can honor my friend, Mr. Bocas. I can make sure everyone in the world forever, for hundreds of years, will be the year 3086, and they'll say, you see this video in the old archives about this Bocas? He seemed like a really cool cat. This guy's basically crying over him. Everyone will always know that Mr. Bokus was very awesome. It's kind of like a statue, I guess. I don't know what we'll do. We talked about a Viking funeral for him. Put him in a little boat. Fire a flaming arrow into the boat. And like, <laughs> Phil Labonte was like, you should do it. That would be awesome. And the river's right over here. And I'm like, I don't know if setting a dead cat on fire is legal. <laughs> He's like, <"I>, who cares? <laughs> when you put it that way, it sounds really bad. But when I say that I gave my cat a Viking funeral, that sounds awesome. We could also maybe do a uh, funeral pyre where we set up the sticks, lay them on top, and then fire an arrow or something. But I'm just like, I don't know if we want to go to a wooded area and, and fire off a flaming arrow, so. But yeah, this is my big breaking news for the day. No stories about owning the libs, or uh, conservatives pouncing, or Joe Biden. None of those things matter to me right now. The only thing that matters is that I have the opportunity that so many people don't have to tell you that Mr. Bokus is awesome. I don't know what else to say. I've been talking for a half an hour about my cat. He's a silly little terrorist. He always has a smug look on his face. But he really liked people, and uh, I've met a lot of cats in my day. I'm not a cat person for the most part. I'm a dog person, because I like dogs. Dogs are like, I, I'd say they're like loyal soldiers, you know? Your dog trusts you and is there for you like a, like a Marine who's willing to do what needs to be done to protect you and protect the family. I like dogs. Bocus, he's more like a libertarian, you know? He just wants to be left alone, go do his thing, mind his own business, but he was super chill with people. You know, anybody could walk up and he would, he was very chill. We stopped trimming his claws a long time ago. And he the only person he ever tried scratching was Allison. Take her eye out in the morning. He would do this thing where at like 7 a.m. He puts his paw on you and then just pushes one claw right into your skin to wake you up. <laughs> Little jerk. Because he wanted to get up. Oh, Mr. Bocus. it's been fun. I really am just uh, excited for the idea. Something that uh, previous generations never had the opportunity to do. To make a video that hopefully will be preserved for the entirety of human history. Going however long it takes. Maybe one day, Elon Musk will uh, get us to the stars. And we'll uh, develop data uh, compression technology that makes it easy to put petabytes and petabytes of data on a single tiny chip. And so the summation of human data is collected. And when we send off that vessel to Alpha Centauri with 100,000 human colonists who seek to spread humanity and life to the stars, they will have a repository of all of the data and some teenager in school is going to be just going through the archives and is going to be like what's mr bocus and he's going to open it up and then a bunch of young future humans will see this video hi future humans or i don't know youtube shuts down the video gets deleted i get banned who knows where we end up no idea but here's trying here's trying there you go thanks for hanging out i guess it's uh one one last send off for mr bocus this wasn't supposed to happen. He wasn't supposed to get sick. He was supposed to live for another 15 years. He was supposed to at least make it to the Christmas party. But I got him a little blanket. He got it on my desk, and he's curled up, and he's going to sleep. So I'll try to keep working. I'll put it this way for, to wrap this up. If this happened a couple hours ago, I probably would have been able to, to, to get my segment finished. But considering he's you know struggling I there's no way I'm I'm, I'm walking away from him right now but uh, you know we'll see and then maybe he can sleep on the table while we do uh, the show tonight or something hang out with mr Bocus thank you all so much for entertaining this substantially less relevant segment I hope you understand why I did it And I appreciate all of your support. Thanks for hanging out. I love you, Mr. Bocus, And I'll see you all next time.